Welcome back to the True Blue Riffcast, sponsored today by Uncle Chico's Carnival. <laughs> Sorry. If you don't know what that is, you'll find out in a little bit. I'm Jeremy, joined as always. Uh, hi, I'm Dave. I'm coming to you uh, live from Pirates World. Yes, they're our sponsor as well, I suppose. Uh, all these silly, crappy little fairs and amusement parks. So, Dave, how's it going? It's going okay. It's really hot here this week, man. It's like, have, like, has it, has it been scorching in Michigan? It's been scorching here in Utah. We got a freaking sunburn. Yes, it's uh, been in the mid 90s the last few days. Not fun. I mean, unless you're inside in air conditioning, you know. I suppose get people get that at their workplace. I don't have a traditional workplace. I have. It's me sitting in front of my computer all day is my work, which I guess is everybody else's work. But, you know, they have to work for other people. I have to work for myself. And you are a damn demanding boss. I sure am. I want to go for a walk right now. I suppose I'll go for a walk. I don't know. I got lots to do. Well, I get yelled at. Oh, right. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. Everybody probably hates me now. <laughs> Only a few of us. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> if you don't hate me now, you'll hate me later. I know some yes. of us will. Because <laughs> I'm going to rub something in. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, normally this is where we would throw it to headlines. But, uh, yeah, it's the week after Comic-Con, so there's not really a whole lot um, movie news-wise or anything like that. Unless I miss something, I, I don't know. Um, but as far as the weekend box office, the Lion King continues to dominate, made another $75.5 million. Oh, jeez. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new Tarantino movie, uh, had a decent opening with uh, $40.3 million. And uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, still in third place, and it has crossed the billion-dollar mark worldwide, which is good news because that means – that full creative control will not be returning to Sony just yet. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, that that's a bro. I didn't know that until you told me. I think it was on this podcast when you told me that if 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 they don't do a billion dollars in uh, the box office, that uh, Sony gets the rights back. You know, and I I like the Amazing Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man Two wasn't that great, but I didn't think it was a franchise killer. But I think no. that if it went back to Sony, I think if we got a fourth Spider-Man, yeah, we're it's dead after that. You yeah. know, but it's um, I think they're doing good things. I mean, I used to be, two years ago, I was hashtag not my Spider-Man. Because <laughs> I, I love the amazing Spider-Man because the 2012 movie made me feel all the feels, right? Um, I just think they didn't give the amazing Spider-Man a, uh, that's, that series... I felt it, it, it should have given, been given a chance to redeem itself, but hey, we have this now, so. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with what we have. But uh, we do have a lot to talk about today. Uh, at least we've got one movie to really take a deep dive into. So let's get into our short reviews of Rift Track Shorts. Yes. For today's short reviews of Rift Track Shorts, we're going to be taking a look at why doesn't Kathy eat breakfast and Petaluma chicken. Wait, what? Yes. Why doesn't Kathy eat breakfast and Petaluma chicken? Why is that uh, any of our damn business? Well, we'll what? get into that in a second, Dave, if you'd keep your pants on. Sorry. Uh, yes. Hey, this wait, I, 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 hold, hang on. I want to interrupt you a third time. What? I forgot. Anyway, sorry, what? <laughs> uh, um, okay. This is what I like all the time, everybody. Yeah. Uh, Why Doesn't Kathy Eat Breakfast? Petaluma Chicken was released March 6th, 2008. Woo! So we're going way back once again. This Rift Track short is special for multiple reasons. The most obvious being the fact that it's actually two shorts together. And this was the first time they've done it, not the last time they've done it, but we'll save that for another episode. The first part of this is called Why Doesn't Kathy Eat Breakfast? In this short, we're watching Kathy, a girl of around 12 or so, getting ready for her day. A narrator starts asking her questions about why she doesn't eat breakfast, and he's apparently way off base with all of his assumptions. She just answers no to everything. He he asks every every question that uh, an adult would ask a kid as to why they're not eating something. 
Uh, but we get absolutely zero idea as to why she doesn't eat breakfast, and then she leaves out the door to go to school, and that's the end. Wait, what? That's- yeah, that's that's the end of the first part. I, I'm assuming it's supposed to be one of those like, you know, stop the projector here and have a discussion about what the class thinks or whatever. Same bad time, something. Like yes. That. It's like, okay. But then the drugs kick in and Petaluma Chicken starts up. This is the. This is one of the weirdest shorts that they've done. Still to this day, it's one of the weirdest shorts. Uh, it's it's young women from around the country gathering around to make a giant omelet. But how do they accomplish this task? Part of it involves calisthenics in a comically oversized frying pan that they then use to cook the omelet in. I'm sure this awakened a fetish in at least one person who watched yeah. it. But even if the riffing on this combo platter wasn't hilarious, it would still be an essential purchase simply for how bizarre it turned out to be. That being said, the riffing in both halves of this short is marvelous. The confusion that they show at the end of the first half that leads into the confusion over the entirety of the second half is perfect. Why doesn't Kathy eat breakfast? Petaluma chicken gets five out of five and is an essential purchase. Wow. So this is so this, this is from 2008. I'm have to, I, I I might have to go get this. Is it is it one of them one? I mean, I'm gonna get it anyway. Is it like one of them one dollar ones? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's weird. So you're saying that the first riff, the first short, just trails off into nothing. Yeah. The the girl leaves her apartment and goes to school, and, and that's it. And that's it. And it just stops. And then the next one just starts. Oh, wow. So yeah, Dave, if you haven't seen it yet, I haven't seen out. it. Yeah, I'll I'll um I'll check it out. It's two uh, shorts, but it's it's still not a very long thing. I think it's maybe ten minutes tops. Yeah, it's definitely only one dollar. Then if it's like only ten minutes. Yeah, it's not you know like setting up a room where it's where right. half an hour and it feels you know like three days. Uh, it's it's actually eight minutes and five seconds long. So oh wow. You want to know what short um, that uh, goes by? I think it's a couple. I think it's like an extra dollar or something like that. It's um, something. I know seatbelts. The life. The the life saving habit. Ah, yeah. thing is fifty. Like it's fifteen to twenty minutes long. But the thing is, you don't even you don't even realize how long it is because I'm whenever I watch that one, I'm just so engrossed in it just because. I just love it. I just love everything about it so much. It's like a car crash. You can't help but watch it because it's all about car crashes. Yeah, it is all about car crashes. So (laughs) at about at about (laughs) ethnic ethnic uh, when like whenever an ethnic person comes onto the uh, comes onto the the screen, it changes to meet their ethnicity. (laughs) There's definitely some stereotyping going on. Like a wow, wow, wow. <laughs> but we will get into that short again. That's that's a, a subject for another podcast. Aww. Right now, though, we're going to go from the shorts to the not so shorts. And we're going to take a look at our first VOD of the day. This is the brand new release from Rift Tracks presents Bridget Mary Joe doing the 1946 film Fear. Now, I have a confession to make. I haven't had time to watch this one yet. <gasps> what? I'm terrible. I'm a terrible, terrible fan. I'm going to knock me down to, well, I mean, I'm still number one. But, <laughs> um, yeah, but, um, but Jeremy, you have, you, you have watched it. So yes. I'll, I will I allow you to it. take the lead on it. I will graciously okay. do that. Oh, well, I appreciate it. <laughs> okay. So, you know it's from 1946. You know that the name of the movie is Fear. What do you think it's about? Um, 46. So there's after. So it's after Double Indemnity. So and with a single word like Fear, it sounds like it's some noir, like like detour or something like that. So I'm guessing hard boiled detective, uh, some kind of Bogart wannabe, uh, something like that. Some woman comes in, makes some, you know, very 40s appropriate sexual advance or like insinuation or or some crap like that. Then he goes out 
and realizes that the woman that he's working for is a horrible person and is either setting him up to murder somebody or setting him up to be murdered to further another murder or crime of some fashion. And everything goes to crap and Bogart ends up killing the woman and some other, you know, and then he gets a Maltese statue falcon and the end. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> oh, dang it. That was just... <laughs> you were you were right on one part of it. It is, it is kind of a film noir thing. Um, okay. But no, this movie is about uh, Larry Crane, a college student who just found out that he lost his scholarship. He's not going to get any more money to go to school right before the beginning of his senior year of college. And it's called fear. And it's called fear. What kind because of is just, this? just, just listen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it, it will, it will make sense. Oh, well, no, well, it, it kind of will make sense. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's about Larry. He loses his, uh, his money. He, right before his senior year starts. So he's desperate at this point because he spent, you know, three years in, in school and he needs to finish it up. And uh, so he starts pawning stuff off to his uh, professor, Stanley, who is a little shifty and he buys items from students who need money, even though he's not a licensed pawnbroker and he shouldn't be doing that. But uh, he gets, he sells his watch that his dad gave him when he was 15. And, and he's, he gets, what, 22? He's supposed to be. He looks more like he's you know, 37, but <laughs> um, he he gets 10 bucks for it, minus $2 for the money that he still owed on the last item that he pawned off. And uh, so he decides that he's going to go to dinner. And he goes to the local diner, Doc's, uh, Doc's Place, I think it was called, something like that. And he hears some of the other college students in there, and they're talking about how if they had the chance, they would uh, they would off the guy and steal his money. So he gets this idea in his head that he's going to go off the professor and steal his money. This, this guy who's acting as a pawnbroker, he's going to go kill the pawnbroker, steal his money. If anybody is familiar with classic literature, they probably got it by now. But this is a very loose adaptation of Crime and Punishment. Okay. If you're not familiar with the movie or the book Crime and Punishment, the movie, yeah. Uh, it's about a guy who kills a pawnbroker because <laughs> he's desperate for money. And uh, he pretty much got away with it, but then he starts like becoming racked with guilt and and uh paranoid about everything so you kind of like the telltale heart yeah kind of so you you see where this this story is heading yeah um he goes back to his place he kind of chilling out for a little bit then he decides all right i'm gonna get up and i'm gonna go kill this guy so he goes wow. to he goes to the professor's apartment building and he goes up and he sees a guy painting a room and he sneaks past him goes up the next flight of stairs goes to the uh, the professor's apartment. He lets him in because he tells him he's got something else to sell him. And he's got this package, and it's wrapped up with a ton of string, so it's taking him forever to unwrap it. And uh, Larry's over, and he grabs the poker for the fireplace, and he smacks him in the head and kills him. Yeah. And uh, he gets he gets the lockbox out, uh, out of his bedroom because he had his safe open for whatever reason. And he opens the box and then a couple more students show up at the door and they're like, Oh, maybe he's okay. And he's not answering the door. So like, well, maybe he fell asleep and they're like, no, the lights are on. Something's going on. Let's go get the landlord. So they go downstairs. And of course, Larry overhears them saying this stuff. And so he makes a hasty retreat. Unfortunately, he forgets to take the money and he locks the door behind him. Dumbass. So he just uh, left the crime scene and he locked himself out without anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he goes down and they start coming up the other stairs. So he runs into the room that has been freshly painted. Like at this point, I'm starting to feel like this movie is supposed to be a comedy because it's like it's kind of wacky at this point. He comes out. He's got like paint all over the sleeve of his suit, you know, and he, he goes back home. And the next day he wakes up. And there's a police officer there to get him. 
to go take him to go talk to the captain down at the police station. And he gets there and he's like, well, as you may have heard, uh, Professor Stanley had died the other night. And he's like, no, I didn't hear that. He's like, well, it was in yesterday's paper. (laughs) He's like, what are you talking about? Today's Thursday. And he's like, no, today's Friday. And so he like missed the whole day. So I don't know if he like slept through it. They never really touch on that part of it as to why that happened. But um, all that they wanted him for was to return his watch to him because as the professor was being an illegal pawnbroker, uh, he had no right to keep it. So he just got it back. And then uh, he got back and he opened up a letter and it was a check for a thousand dollars from some paper that published an article that he wrote because he had been writing articles and sending them out and never hearing anything back. He was freelancing. Ah, yeah. And he just got paid just like that. Because it happens. It does happen like that, guys. It really does. That's not, that's that, that's not a lie. That's not an exaggeration. Uh, anyway, Uh, he goes back, he goes back to the, to the diner and, uh, the, the girl that he helped out the day before, I realize I skipped over this part, but uh, the day before, or I guess two days before when he was there, there was a girl who bought a coffee or something and she didn't have her dollar in her purse that she thought she did. And so he helped her out. But I got to get back to that in a minute because there's a, there's a thing that, that Mary Jo and Bridget did that I want to, that I want to fill you guys in on. Cause it was amazingly funny to me. Um, but, you know, he's going through now and the police keep keep questioning him about stuff and he's getting away with it still. The police are questioning him. He's starting to feel more and more guilty about it. And he starts seeing things that everything's talking about death. Death is everywhere. He goes to uh, and I kid you not. He goes to a restaurant called the Seahawk. <laughs> and he sees a magic show on stage where this, uh, the assistant comes out and she lays down on this table with a basket under her head and the magician has a sword, a big sword, and he's showing how sharp it is by cutting through what looked like a block of styrofoam or something. And he covers her up with a blanket, he stands behind her, and he cuts her head off with the sword. And then he gets up and leaves. Like the Larry gets up and leaves. So we don't even see what the result of the magic trick was. Thanks movie. That's going to haunt me forever. (laughs) The police, the police finally figure out that it's him. And so he's going to take off with his girlfriend and he's meeting up with her and they're at a street crossing and the sign changes to walk and he starts going across the street and he gets hit by a car and dies. But what? And then he wakes up on his couch. No, because when he went home the first night after he heard the guys talking about taking out the professor, he fell asleep and the whole thing was a dream. And Shut then up. it gets even better. What? How? <laughs> the professor shows up at his apartment and he tells him, you know, you seem like somebody who really is in, in dire need of, of money here. So here's here's one hundred and fifty dollars. And oh, by the way, you got some memorial scholarship for fifteen hundred dollars. What? And then he goes out in the hallway and the girl that he helped at the diner the day before is moving into one of the little squalor apartments there next to him. And they agree to go out on a date. And that's the end of the movie. So he kills a man in the movie. It, It was a dream. But as far as from like a narrative perspective, the audience has kind of grown to not like this guy because for all we know, he murdered a guy. There, so that's kind of it's kind of hard to let go of. There <laughs> there is another there is another reason to really not like this guy. You remember that article that I mentioned that he got paid for? Yeah. The captain, the police captain, is talking to him about that article because he read it. And it's about how um, Larry believes that some people are indeed above the law. And and he gives this example. He says that Thomas Edison, if he would have had to have electrocuted any number of people, one person, hundreds of people. Or an to, elephant. To, 
Yeah. <laughs> I was really expecting them, him to bring up Topsy. I don't know why, but I was really expecting it. It didn't happen, but he said that he should have been allowed to eliminate those people. If it would have helped him to make the discoveries that he did about electricity. Yeah. And all the people whose research he, he stole and all the, uh, like, and like, and his war with, uh, with Tesla and destroying his research and all that. Yeah. That it's so, uh, that's, that's the, the, the wonderful, wonderfulness that was fear, uh, but but Bridget and Mary Jo really bring some good uh, some good heat to this one with the riffs. Uh, there was one that one line that I physically reacted to um, because like I cringed, like I physically like eh. uh, they were asking. <laughs> one of the students was asking Larry what he was going to do now that he didn't have his uh, his money for school, and one of the ladies said. Uh, call Lori Laughlin. <laughs> yeah. Like I laughed really hard, but I kind of went at the same time, you know, <laughs> it was perfect. You sent me a message uh, earlier today saying, telling me that Lori Laughlin and you didn't know that I hadn't seen it yet. And I was like, what yeah. the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Well, there's context for you on that one, Dave. Oh my gosh, I have um, to watch this now. <laughs> but I, I want to go back to uh, the girl at the diner right before Larry helped her. She started digging through her purse looking for this dollar that she supposedly had. And the lady started listing off different things as she's pulling stuff out of her purse. And I want to go through this list because I really enjoyed the list. Why was she listing these things? Well, this was this was Bridget and Mary Jo listing. Oh, listing okay. Thing. All right. Uh, Carmex, Skittles, a taser, a backup taser, a monkey paw with one finger left, <laughs> a, a hanky, a smashed junior mint, a parking ticket, a diva cup, an iPod Nano, and a Weight Watchers protein bar. <laughs> I I enjoy that. <laughs> I am not going to explain that one to you, Dave. You can do your research on that one. Right, hold on, wait a minute. Yeah, I live in the same world as you guys do, so I mean, we're gonna Google it right now. And if I'm if I'm disgusted, I'm gonna blame you. Live okay. reaction to Dave discovering. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could have just said that. <laughs> that is gross. You're welcome. <laughs> And so now, listeners, if you don't know what a diva cup is, you now know not to Google it. Oh my God. I mean, if you're if you're a guy, if you're a guy, don't Google it. Ooh. Women, hey, if that's what if that's what you want to use, whatever. I'm I've got absolutely no say in that department, so I'm not even going to pretend. But yeah, I had the same reaction to that as I did to gamer girl bathwater. Well, that's bad for everybody, but. There's some really good stuff in here. Uh, of course, they make a joke about uh, about Larry, the actor uh, Peter Cookson. Well, looks an awful lot like uh, Kyle MacLachlan from uh, Twin Peaks and, and and such. And I was hoping that they would mention that, and they did. Um, and one other little tidbit of information: the girlfriend, the girl that he meets in the diner, uh, was played by Anne Gwynn, who is Chris Pine's grandmother. Woo, Newkirk. I thought, thought it was interesting. Um, but yeah, this was this was an extremely solid riff. It's an hour and seven minutes long, so it's not like feature feature length. Um, but it was really good. It was very enjoyable, lots of good jokes. I, I don't like giving too much of the riffs away because Yeah, that's something know, for them to do. Yeah. That's the that's the surprising part. That's the fun part. But yeah, so that's fear. Woo, fear. And now we're going to go on to our VOD that was the winner of this week's listener poll. I'm so excited. uh, If if you saw the poll, if you didn't see the poll, let me remind you what the three choices were. We had Twilight, Ghost House, and Roller Gator. And a surprise, surprise, surprise turn of events. Roller Gator dominated this one. Just killed everything. 
I honestly expected nobody to pick Roller Gator because of the reputation that it has among a lot of the people uh, in, in Rift Tracks fandom. And especially in True Blue Rift Tracks, the True Blue Rift Tracks fans uh, group. Yeah. yeah not oh, my gosh. You can't even bring up Roller Gator without, without like, angry comments. Ang- like, 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 angry, 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 angry. <laughs> but Roller Gator... Is is a favorite of mine and Dave's. Yes, it's like, we top love this one. three. It's and can't get enough. So it dominated. It killed it by a very wide margin. I was surprised. I honestly thought it was going to be either Ghost House or Twilight. Me too. I thought it was going to be and, Ghost House. And Roller Gator won by a very large margin. It was like like twenty five percent at least. Mm-hmm. Um. So, Dave, since I uh, monopolized fear, I'm yes. going to let you take the lead on Roller Gator. So Roller Gator, ladies and gentlemen, is a fantastic riff released in, I believe, in fact, it might, we, we might be coming up on the four-year anniversary of it. Let me pull up. August 21st, 2015. Yep. So it's um, it kind of – it came out of nowhere. I remember um, – there was a Twitter uh, conversation where somebody was tweeting at Connor Lestoka in 2015 and said, hey, I like all the uh, great high-quality production in the uh, movie selection of well, – he didn't say movie selection. That's a, that's a term that I use. But um, like all the, – they've been high-quality – you know, feature feature film quality VODs lately. I think like Megaforce had come out or something. And then Connor said, wait till next week's because that all goes down the drain. <laughs> right. And the next week was was Roller Gator. And um, Bill Corbett went onto Twitter because they milked Roller Gator. Like they they had this big lead up into Fun and Balloon Land about you know, the, the Thanksgiving before this in 2014. And they thought, that's it. We've reached the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> like, oh, there's no. Nothing, there's nothing there. I mean, like, what could be worse than Fun and Balloon Land? <laughs> Roller Gator is one of those things where it takes a couple of viewings to convince yourself that it actually exists in the real world. Um, Roller Gator starts off with this acoustic guitar, right? And it's just like, oh, well, that's going to be a thing that's not going to last. And it has this acoustic guitar noodling playing throughout the entire movie. Now, in the defense of everybody who, and, you know, I get it. I get why people don't like Roller Gator. I do. Because it's annoying. Yeah. I mean, I put it succinctly, it's an annoying effing movie. But I think... If you can get past the acoustic guitar that plays nonstop, and I, you know, I think you would be able to enjoy everything else a lot more. But at the same time, you take away the acoustic guitar, you take away a fundamental element of Roller Gator, and you know what? How dare you? You know? <laughs> yeah, without the noodling, it's not the it same movie. Would not be. It would not be the same. Um, so it starts off in this um, – we open up in this carnival that um, looks like it could be a – this was shot in the, the, uh, in the 90s. It looks like it could be a Pirate's World affiliate in California or Florida. We haven't, de- we haven't <laughs> determined where this thing is. It's either – it's got to be in, in one of the tropical states. So it's got to be either Florida or California. There's no other place this could be. Uh, Jeremy and I were having a debate. Uh, feel free to discuss amongst yourselves out there in the podcast <laughs> land whether I say it's in California because that's where Joe Estevez lives. And there's no way they're going to fly Joe Estevez out to Florida to star in Roller Gator for crying out loud. Jeremy, you tell them why you think it's in Florida. Well, I think it's in Florida because it's an alligator and that's where alligators are in Florida. <laughs> It's a, a much simpler explanation for why I think it's there. Okay, is 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 that it? But that's it. I mean, there's there's palm trees, so that doesn't help. Yeah. 
I mean, well, it's in some random. You know what? You know what it is. It looks like one of those those uh, little fairs that shows up like in the parking lot of a local like shopping center, mm-hmm. like, you know, like one of those little strip malls and they have those fairs that show, well, they used to, but you know, it would like pop up for a couple of days and then they're off to the next city. Mm-hmm. And that's very much what this is. It's that same type of thing, but yeah, we have no idea where this is exactly supposed to be taking place unless they actually say it somewhere in the movie and we just don't get it. Like the fact that neither of us knew what Joe Estevez character's name was. Yeah, no, it's, it's Uncle Chico. Yeah, now we know that. Yes, yeah, Chico we Dennis. Yeah, we had to look it up. <laughs> but anyway, we're in Uncle Chico's carnival. And we're following the main anta- main protagonist, PJ, around. She's kind of wandering around, like, oh, yeah, cool. Hey, look, it's a carnival. And then uh, we cut to Joe Estevez acting like a uh, – now, as far as I'm concerned, this is the definitive Joe Estevez experience, okay? <laughs> like, soul taker, forget about it. Uh, werewolf, forget about it. No, like his performance in this movie is just like – it defines Joe Estevez's career, lower gator, I think. Poor Joe Estevez. Yeah, and uh, Joe Estevez has the uh, has the first line of the movie, which is uh, Jeremy. We were we were having a discussion about the iconic first line of Roller Gator. Yep. I think it goes like this. <laughs> so anyway, so we have that iconic first line from Joe Estevez, right? Like what? Oh, okay, I guess we're moving on. Right. And then we cut from. uh, So looking back on it, what I think was happening was Joe Estevez and his uh, and Reggie, his nephew, they were out looking for Roller Gator. Right. But um, or Gator, as they call it, Baby Gator, Baby Gator, Gator, Little Gator. I think they just I don't even know if he he really even has a, a proper name. The Gator. I think he's just Gator. Yeah. But um, so they cut to PJ, the uh, the protagonist, in this very not very. I mean, I don't mean to body shame anybody, but I don't know if this movie should really be featuring women in bikinis <laughs> because it just looks so skeevy that just like, oh my gosh, like this is so uncomfortable to look at. <laughs> well, my first thought was. Is this girl old enough for us to be watching her going around in a in a bikini? Yeah, well, I think she. Am is. I gonna Am I gonna end up on some sort of watch list if I watch this movie? Yeah, it's like if I have this on my hard drive, is the FBI gonna be? Yeah. Anyway, and we and then you have the um, uh, roller gator, the purple puppet, boiling, um, <laughs> um, uh, sprung up to the boner sound effect, right? And then um, she'd be like, "Oh, like uh, you're a bit, you're a little ge- purple gator, but you can talk." And that's like the extent of her like amazement at it. Um, and so they talk about like, "Okay, can you please help me get away from this carnival, even though it looks like I've already escaped, and help me get back to the swamp?" <laughs> okay, we'll do that, right? So, but uh, he's being chased by the dark ninja, who is just like this. This other woman who is just running around very, very visibly on the beach in dark ninja clothes. And it's got to be hot as hell underneath there. I mean, she's very obvious. She does a very terrible job at hiding. And uh, so they I guess they have a run in with her and they and they get away on PJ's rollerblades. Now, it's never mentioned that PJ is a rollerblader into rollerblading. Even though the whole movie hinges on, on this that he's a roller gator, but he's not really a roller gator. Um, I mean, we we call him roller gator, but he's got really nothing to do with roller gator. PJ's the is the roller blader. Yeah. Like, so like roller gator never puts on roller skate. I mean, he can't. He's a puppet, obviously. But right. It's well, he in the original like. Uh, I'm putting this in air quotes. Um, artwork for the movie. Wait, that exists. Uh, yeah, he's uh, on a skateboard. 
but that's it. Send that to me. Oh, I need that in my life now. Anyway, so what does PJ do except take him back to Joe Estevez's carnival? And that's never does addressed she, why she did that. Does she live there? Like I don't. I mean, I think she might have lived adjacent to it, and maybe they had to walk through it to get back to her apartment. But they got to get back to the swamp that they're being, and they uh, uh, get tricked by uh, Reggie into going to <laughs> Joe Estevez's office, and they have this big thing, and they escape. They go to her apartment, and they do these terrible impressions. Um, <laughs> And I guess the next day they continue their journey where they meet up with a pointless second female ninja. This one's a Taekwondo instructor. And uh, they teach her, they teach PJ some karate moves. And then they part ways. And then they are um, being chased by the dark ninja through uh, this cement canal. And they meet this other girl. I mean, oh, 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 but first, before that happens, they steal a woman's stroller from her yes. face. It's uh, very odd. Like, that is a very, very odd artistic decision. And it shows that Roller Gator can jump very high. <laughs> and, like, point around, like, wait, what? Like, what just happened? Spring loaded. Yeah. And, um, lands right into the uh, into the stroller, which they don't need. Like, like, look, PJ, you were going much faster without the stroller. Yeah, it's weird. And then they just abandon it. It's like, OK, you got you got you got 50 whole feet and <laughs> stealing that that mother and her child's stroller. Like, good for you. And they meet another character named Slingshot, um, <laughs> who is basically just like who has been stalking, I guess, this whole situation from the get-go. Uh, and she comes out being like, hey, hey, can I be your friend? Right? So they're like, sure, why not, right? Um, she, but Slingshot is kind of like the smartest one in, in, in the entire movie. Which is uh, kind of sad. Yeah. So Slingshot goes to distract the Dark Ninja who was – Disguised as this other woman who I'm just going to guess was the Dark Ninja without her costume on. I mean, the actress. Yeah. And uh, whatever you do, don't give this uh, this backpack that has uh, (laughs) that has Roller Gator in it into give it to the Dark Ninja. And Slingshot ends up doing that. But it has something else in it. I forget it. But I think it was like lettuce or something that was actually it's some kind of surprise thing that's that that's in the backpack and uh uh what the dark ninja is doing is trying to take roller gator back to joe estevez obviously (laughs) and uh okay and while all this is going on um there's uh my favorite character in the whole thing the swamp farmer also known as beauregard as his friends call him this guy is like this vagabond that lives in the swamp, and the swamp is being developed by evil developer. I just, I, I really hate that trope, the anti-development trope, like building things is, is bad and horrible and just like, you know what? I don't care. It's like, I want a Walmart, okay? So if that swamp's got to go, swamp's got to go. So you're Drain the, the swamp. Yeah. Drain the swamp. Ah, oh, crap. I didn't mean it to sound like that. But <laughs> you're not going to get any sympathy out of me for, like, like, especially if homeless bums like that live in the swamp. Okay. So he's going around lamenting that somehow Roller Gator got away from him. And then we cut back, and there's a this big final showdown between PJ, Slingshot, the, the Dark Ninja... And then the other second female ninja shows up and chases the dark ninja away. And that's the whole end of the dark ninja saga, right? It's just, uh-huh. just these two these two women just chasing each other away with nunchucks down this service road. Okay, bye. Yeah, it's like, okay, see you later, bye. Then the uh, swamp farmer just happens to stumble onto PJ and uh, Slingshot. And PJ just hands Roller Gator over. And the movie's over. 
And then there's this supposedly funny uh, coda with uh, Joe Estevez turning into a bigger version of Roller Gator and uh, eating his the head of the his nephew or something. Like, I'm pretty sure he didn't die. That would be a little that'd be a little too dark, even for Roller Gator. Yeah. But anyway, the the most like I think what the technical aspects of this movie or the lack of the technical aspects of this movie is this movie's true legacy. I mean, yeah, there's the acoustic guitar noodling. Yes, there's a stupid uh, nonsensical plot. Yes, there's the, the dumb puppet, the dumb dialogue, all that stuff. Okay, we can make fun of Joe Estevez all day long, but the fact is the man is a movie star. Yeah. Okay. They were able to get Joe Estevez, and it looks like that this movie was shot with a VHS camcorder. Yes. And there were no lights in this movie. There were no microphones used for this movie. I mean, no professional microphones. I guess I should put that caveat on there. Obviously, there was some microphones. Sound was captured, but not professionally. <laughs> Better than Birdemic. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Oh, remind me, before we go off the air tonight, I want to tell everybody about this uh, other short that was made <laughs> by James White. I mean, like, like the camera, the camera obviously is not a professional camera either. Because this was the best print that there is of this movie that exists that we know of. And yeah. what is it? I mean, even for uh, a B-movie shot on the super cheap in 1995 or 96, it should look better than this. And it doesn't. No, this, this was literally done with a camcorder. This was shot on video on a camcorder. Yeah, I... I I wouldn't be surprised if it was shot on videotape. Yes, yeah, they, I'm, I'm fairly certain it actually was. Yeah, it's because I like because it has the tracking, it has all that. It has like all the marks of. I mean, if you're as old as we are, you kind of know what what something that looks like it was shot on videotape looks like. And this is it. Okay, so you have all that. But going back to, and I always like to talk about charm and movie selection. This was. An amazing find. I mean, I, I'm amazed that this just never that I had never heard of this before. Rift tracks. I mean, I don't think yeah, anybody no. had. And it's just like you see it, and you're just like, how come? I mean, it became an, an instant cornerstone for Rift tracks. I think, honestly. Um, I mean, a lot of people say instant classic. This was instant classic. Roller Gator was. Yeah, I agree with that. I've seen it, no joke, probably about forty times. And I never get sick of it, ever. <laughs> what about uh, you? I love this riff, and much like Dave, I had never heard of this movie before. But I was familiar with the director. And, and, and this does actually kind of tie into Roller Gator in a very weird way. There is a scene in Roller Gator with Joe Estevez where he's talking to a giant mutant frog person. <laughs> and for most people... They're, you're not going to understand that. It's just this really weird, like, okay, what the hell was that now? That's another That's... layer of of weirdness added into this movie. But this is why I know the frog creature, because I actually saw the movie that the frog creature was from before. There's a little movie that uh, Donald G. Jackson also directed, and it's called Hell Comes to Frogtown. No. Yes, starring the late... Rowdy Roddy Piper. What? And it's a it's a post-apocalyptic movie where these people are dealing with uh, mutant frog people. Um, yeah, and uh, there there was actually a sequel called Frogtown Two. Um, but this this movie Roller Gator is basically a culmination of most of the things that this director had done he he made the the two frogtown movies then he made a whole series of movies about rollerblading <laughs> there's rollerblade warriors taken by force the rollerblade 7 legend of the rollerblade 7 return of the rollerblade 7 and then he made roller gator oh no and then there's also toad warrior sorry thrown in there too toad um, warrior 
and then Roller Gator. Uh, so it's kind of all of that stuff, all of the ideas of that, I guess, thrown into here. It's amazing so. to me that that, that that Roller Gator is the culmination of, of, of many things. <laughs> right? It doesn't seem like it would be the culmination of anything. It, it, it seems like it would be somebody's first first move i mean like look me and my brother in the year 1995 could have gone out with our parents camcorder and made roller gator we could have done that we may not have been able to get joe estevez but we could have made roller gator oh yeah just go to the local fair when it shows up in the parking lot and you're good to go all you gotta do it's such a fun riff and and like you said i can totally understand why some people have a hard time making it through this one ah roller gator how i love thee let me count the ways it's such a good riff. I love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. But it's one that I don't get to watch very often because my wife can't stand it. <laughs> well, I don't have a wife, so I could watch whatever I please. <laughs> so at the end of the day, A++. I mean, it just doesn't get better than Roller Gator. Yes. It was very good. Very good indeed. It even, it even has a wonderful little scene where... Baby Gator decides to rap. Oh, God. Do we have to talk about that? No, because I'm going to... I'm going to insert the audio right now. Well, what about me? Well, you're cool and everything, PJ. It's just that you don't have that hip-hop beat. What are you talking about? I'm talking Gator rap, baby. I think you've inhaled too much swamp water there, little buddy. Your brain is drowning. Take this, you have hardly any faith. Boom, shh, ba-bum, boom, shh, boom, shh, ba-bum, boom, shh. Well, I'm a mean motor gator, a rock and roller skater. Try to catch me now, I'll kick your butt later. Yeah. What is that? Yo, what's up with that? It's Gator Rap. I live in the swamp, but I'm no Forrest Gump. I'm going to be illin' if I'm not chillin'. So there you go. That's Baby Gator's rap. I do not apologize for putting that in here. Yeah, I love love this riff. Like like Dave said, it instant classic. If you haven't seen it yet, really, you owe it to yourself to at least watch it one time. At least one time. That way you can say, I watched Roller Gator. Now I'm going to complain about it for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, and Dave, you wanted to talk about something else. Yes, I found something. Um, now, all of you out there uh, listening to this podcast, you might be familiar with the little director known as James Wen. Um, he did uh, Birdemic. He did Julian Jack. He did Replica. Um, he's been having trouble getting more feature films financed than made. Can't imagine why, because he's a big jerk. <laughs> but... He did a short film about, uh, I, I think it was called like The Man with the Wooden Face. And it's about this dude with this huge noggin because of Agent Orange in Vietnam or some crap like that. Anyway, he did a documentary about that guy. He, um, he went and he exploited this guy that he knows in Vietnam. And uh, so he did that. He did one short. Now he has a new short. And I want everybody to go to the website for this short. It's called cosmicbeauty.space. James Wen's new short, and it's going to be premiering. It's uh, the description for it. The world premiere of Cosmic Beauty will be on August 30th, 2019, for the world to see and qualify for consideration for the 92nd Academy Awards. Special thanks to astronomer Nelson Ortega for providing this magnificently beautiful image of the Rose Laguna Nebula. Right, and it shows some uh, it shows some red nebula. Go to cosmicbeauty.space or go to movieheadpictures.com to get all the details about this uh, wonderful man's new movie. I'm all for James Wen being able to make new movies because that's going to give me more material for uh, me to parody. That's <laughs> and, and I'm just going to leave it at that. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week, folks. Uh, we were going to have a new listener poll up on Friday, and it's going to include the two losers from last week. These uh, two losers. Ghost House and Twilight. And then we are going to be adding the Rift Tracks live show 
Miami connection. So hopefully, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think I could be surprised now at this point with this poll because it's either going to be Ghost House, which is a great riff, Twilight, which is another great riff, or Miami Connection, which is another great riff. It seems like we're setting ourselves up to watch the ones that we want to watch. Huh. Yeah, it kind of seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Wow. So make sure you vote on that when it comes up. It will pop up on the uh, True Blue Riff Tracks fan page on Facebook. It'll pop up in the Riff Tracks group in Facebook, and it'll also pop up on the True Blue Riffcast Twitter account. And I am Jeremy. You can find me at pbandawesome.com. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at pbandawesome. And as I mentioned, you can follow the True Blue Riffcast on Twitter at tbriffcast. Uh, I'm Dave. You can check me out on the web at sugarraydodge.com. You can search for me on uh, Facebook in uh, under either Sugar Ray Dodge or Charlie B, which I uh, wrestle locally as Charlie B. I'm a B man. Buzz, buzz. It's hilarious. Uh, and yeah, that's what I got. Don't forget Rift Tracks Live, Giant Spider Invasion, August 15th. Woo! We'll see you guys later. See ya.